Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Hello there, everyone. Glenn Blakeney here of Awake Nations Ministries and also Kingdom Community. Man, um, we love for you guys to join the discussion tonight. We're actually looking forward to just a great time of dialogue and delving into the topic of spiritual fathers, um, spiritual parents, whatever term you need. We need both moms and dads in the kingdom. And uh, obviously, we're all called to be sons. We're all sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have a spiritual father. God is our father. But ultimately, when we look on the um, relationships on the earth, you know, there's this aspect of, of spiritual fathers. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians when he said, you know, you have many teachers. But really, he said, I'm your one and only spiritual father. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. My guests are Dr. John Burpee from Dallas, Texas, and Emmanuel Brown, who's a millennial from New York City area. And we're going to have a great time of dialogue. But guys, love for you to just go ahead and let us know where you are watching from. We always appreciate you guys leaving comments. Also, just go ahead and share, 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 share. We are on Roku right now, Apple TV. Amazon Fire TV, Google TV. We are on the Kingdom Community iOS, Kingdom Community Android app. And we are also live on our website, kingdomcommunity.global. And, of course, on YouTube, Facebook, out there in social media land. So, guys, thanks. Just go ahead and let us know where you're watching from. Let us know um, later on. We're going to actually take some questions, field some questions about what does it mean to you know live in a relationship where you have people that are kind of like spiritual fathers, mothers in your life. Well, we don't have any moms on the uh, broadcast tonight, so we're going to be talking exclusively about fathers. But I'm going to bring my guests on, and then we're going to just kick this off. Let's go right to it. So, hey, John, Dr. John Burpee and Emmanuel Brown. Welcome, guys. So glad that you're part of the broadcast tonight. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, cool. So, you know what? we I just mentioned um, in a little monologue I did there about the scripture talks about where Paul said, you have many teachers, but you really only have one father. And so we're, we're obviously going to go down that road tonight. What does it mean to be a father in the faith, a spiritual father? You know, obviously, you can have a biological father that is a spiritual father. Um, I know John is is like that with his kids, and, and I've got, uh, you know, some kids as well that I, I they look to me not only as a biological father, but as a spiritual father as well, and uh, that's an honor and a privilege. Um, but we're living in a time today where more than ever, you know, the absence of a father in the home in the natural but then in the church, in the church family, so to speak, we've got that as well. We've got the many teachers thing, but few fathers syndrome, I believe, is very prevalent today. And what I was saying, you know, as we were talking before the broadcast, 
when I came to know the Lord, when my wife and I did, you know, we, we just started attending this local fellowship and uh, there was great preaching, great ministry, but there were really, uh, there was really no mentoring. There was no relationships. I mean, it was just like, go there, you hear the word being preached. And then, um, you know, there was really no one you could talk to once in a while. Maybe if you had a question, you needed counseling, you could get an appointment with a pastor or one of the pastors. But that was about it. And, you know, as a result, I think personally, my spiritual growth, it took me a lot longer to learn, you know, the core uh lessons and values that I need to know in the kingdom. So I jokingly say sometimes that the school of hard knocks is overrated. You know, we need to find a mentor. And I believe it's true. But we're talking about mentors and fathers, probably a difference between the two. I think you can be a father and be a mentor, but you may not necessarily be a father if you're a mentor in some people's lives. But let's talk about this topic. I mean, Jesus when you look at his ministry, and this is really what it all goes back to, Jesus, he didn't just preach to the multitudes, but he had uh, at least the 12 that he poured into. And, you know, if you do a little bit of study, you see that these 12 uh, apostles or disciples, as they were in the beginning, ranged in age. There's some scholars say they might have been as young as 13 up to 30. So we don't know. But they were young. So let's talk about spiritual fathers. Let me just turn it over to you, Emmanuel, first of all. Do, why do we need spiritual fathers, or do we need spiritual fathers today? Yeah, thanks uh, so much for having me, uh, Glenn and, and John. It's really a, an honor to be here with both of you guys. Uh, and, and absolutely, um, I think there is not only uh, a void, but a huge need for spiritual fathers, especially amongst my generation. Um, I think the role that a spiritual father plays, as you kind of alluded to, Glenn, uh, is much different than that of a mentor. And in my generation, the idea and concept of mentorship is huge, right? Like you hear about mentorship, you hear about life coaches, you hear about uh, master classes, uh, but there's really not a lot of talk, knowledge, or even understanding about where fathers come into play and, and, and fathers are much different than mentors. I think mentors give instruction, they give wisdom, but fathers make impartations, they leave inheritances. Uh, and, and in my life, that's where I've seen the most growth in my walk with the Lord uh, is when I got hooked up with, with my father. And I'll say this, I think that um, we, we were talking backstage and, and, and you know, Dr. John made a comment uh, and I'll let him talk a little bit more about that, about, you know, he didn't really ever have the chance to be a son, um, let alone have a, have a spiritual father. Uh, and I think we're in the age where the Lord is rest, uh, restoring the father-son relationship because out of that dynamic comes power, right? Comes ministry. Uh, Jesus said that he called 12 to be with him re relationally uh, and make those impartations as a father. Uh, so I think we're living in an exciting time now where God is restoring that relationship and dynamic. I think it's one of the most powerful partnerships uh, other than husband and wife, bride in Christ, that's mentioned in the word. Um, and as a son uh, who's faithful, um, who honors, uh, I believe that God is uh, calling a group of people, a generation of people who understand uh, submission, authority, and honor, who can be sons and be suitable fathers as a result. Yeah. Okay. So, John, you, as, as Emmanuel mentioned, you know, you, you said like, that was very profound. You didn't even really have time to 
really be a son. What, what did you mean by that? Well, <clears throat> I was in a um, religious uh, legalistic system initially. I was in uh, a church, old-time Pentecostal church. The Spirit of God moved, but it was very legalistic, very structured. Uh, even at that, even though it was just one church, very hierarchical, non-relational. And then I get into a well-known denomination. And again, it was, it was hierarchical. We never, I never really knew, I never even heard the word spiritual fathers, probably until I was 10, 15 years in the ministry. I've been in the ministry 39 years now, but beginning to hear that and the sons and all of that. And Paul, Paul speaks of of that, you know, he he speaks of Timothy and Titus as spiritual sons in Second Timothy. He also talks about uh, he's speaking in the term of spiritual sense of having spiritual fathers in the faith in First Corinthians four fifteen. But you know, when when it comes to the uh, man to have relationships with people that have been there, that have the wisdom, the knowledge, and the understanding. We just didn't have those in the ministry. You, we were isolated as ministers. I'm not, I'm not talking about just a layperson. I'm talking about pastors. I, I pastored, and it was like um, I'm on my own. I'm out there on my own if I'm stumbling, if I'm doing things, because everybody, I don't want to say everybody. That's not my wife get, says that you should never say everybody, so I'm not going to say that. But a lot, <laughs> lot of people what would happen is they were insecure in themselves. They, they had no direction. They didn't even know how to write a vision. They were having a difficult time. And it was all about building their kingdom. We didn't have the kingdom mindset. We didn't have that understanding of kingdom like we have today that, that we can help others and pour into others that have other networks and, and, and pour into other sons that are in other networks and nobody feels like like insecure or you're going to steal my sheep or you're going to steal my sons. And my goodness, if you feel that way, then you probably shouldn't uh, be doing it, you know, because you're insecure. You need some help. But, but my thing is, is that uh, I know what, what I didn't have. And so because of that, I felt like I was in this all by myself. Yeah. I was going through struggles. I had personal issues in my life. I had friends of mine that would go to other leaders because they had personal issues, and the other leaders would just talk about them, turn them into the organization, and they'd lose their church or whatever. There was no trust. There was no confidentiality. And, you know, all of that comes through one word, and that's relationship. Yeah. And everybody was so busy building their thing, doing their thing, that yeah. they didn't even really trust, you know, because uh, because there was a territorial thing that was going on also. So yeah. it, it was just, it was a mess. It was a mess. And so, man, for me to start having spiritual fathers start speaking in my life and realizing, understanding their motive, one of the greatest things I learned from a true spiritual father a true spiritual father, when they started coming into my life, yeah. it wasn't about me making them successful. It was about them making me successful. Yeah. It was about them helping me get to my future. And that's when I bought into 
what a true spiritual father was because these guys somehow they learned how to serve the purpose that God had in my life. And that was powerful to me. And you know, Glenn, when I started our network, Destiny Church Ministries International, I started it, number one, it was not going to be hierarchical, and it was going to be relational, not positional. So we don't get into position. We don't assign people to people in the network. We tell folks, let's build relationships with one another. You're going to be drawn to certain people. And so that's what we try to do. But Nancy and I, when we get on and we work with people, we're there to love them, to affirm them, to serve them, to listen to them, to weep with them, yeah. and and just to try to do everything we can to help them become successful and to fully step into their destiny and their call. And it takes a servant's heart to do that. So I, I'm about helping others build, and I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Emmanuel. So, look, I wanted you to comment as you feel prompted to, but I, I want to just talk about your generation in particular, in terms of what are the benefits of having a spiritual father or fathers. Um, you know, I guess maybe we can even go down there later and talk about is it possible to have more than one? But and there's an aversion sometimes people have, you know, toward that. Look, I'm not letting somebody, you know, into my life because. Uh, they'll control me, they'll whatever. So why don't you just speak in, speak into that? Like, what's your experience been? Yeah, yeah. Um, and even before I do, I, I'd love to comment on, on what Dr. John just said. You know, in yeah, Psalm 138, uh, it says that the Lord will exalt his word even above his name. Uh, and we understand that, that the word is the son in, in John 1. And uh, a true father's heart is to see their son or their children to go beyond them. Uh, and that's the experience that I've had. Um, and that is what has motivated me to uh, continue running the race uh, is that a spiritual father is not looking for their own glory um, because their children are their legacy and their children bear their name. Uh, and the true spiritual father points to the father and not to themselves. Um, and I, I just want to, to bring it up because that's so powerful. Um, and, you know, the Bible says that he will exalt his word above his name. And when I think about it, a son oftentimes is the spitting image of the father, mm -hmm. the spoken word of the father. Um, and um, that's what I've become in, in, in my relationship, in my walk with the Lord. I, I have multiple uh, fathers. So there you go. Um, and you know how it says in Proverbs, in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. And I think that's something that fathers really provide. Um, a true parent, spiritual uh, or natural, is there in the wee hours of the morning um, to change your diapers when you're a baby in Christ, to give you milk, um, to pat your back, um, and you don't have to set up a meeting or an appointment to, to get to them. Um, and the true relational dynamic is established on the kingdom principle of humility, right? Um, I think uh, Jesus, in John 17, he said, you know, Father, glorify thy son. He said, for the Father to glorify him. And he said, as I've glorified you. So there's this mirror image there uh, where this freedom flows in the humility of the relationship between fathers, true fathers and their children that provides freedom for the Lord to really move uh, as he will. Uh, and I think that's something for, for me that 
has been an amazing experience in the Lord, but my generation really lacks that, right? Um, hindsight is always 2020. Uh, so we've seen um, a, a, a void of fathers. So there's been an orphan spirit that's been going around. I think that's why my generation longs for a community so much. But sometimes good intentions have really bad results. Uh, so sometimes my generation goes around looking for fathers, looking for community. But in the kingdom, relationships are brought to you. You don't have to seek them out, right? Andrew and Peter were in the boat. They weren't looking for a relationship. They weren't looking for Jesus, but the relationship found them. Jesus found them. And I think oftentimes that's how the dynamic works. In my own life, I wasn't looking for God. I wasn't looking for a father. Um, but the father or the relationship of a spiritual father found me. Right. And I just want to um, honor uh, Apostle Thomas Garrett, Bishop Frank, my own, my own natural father, uh, Pastor Keith Brown, who have all been instrumental in my own life. Um, and I think that because of this orphan spirit, the spirit of abandonment that has been running rampant in my generation, there's been this aversion or this resistance um, to submission to a father. And, and in fact, I think that oftentimes my generation hasn't truly grasped the revelation of submission to authority. Uh, we've rejected it um, because of uh, ab abusive parents in the home, abusive parents in the church. Uh, and we've rejected this system of legalism so much that we've moved into lawlessness, right? We don't really abide by the laws of the kingdom as we should. Uh, we don't really observe the relationships of the kingdom like we really should. Um, but I believe, like I said earlier, that the Lord is doing a great restorative work. Uh, and when father and mother forsake you, the Lord will take you up. And I think that's exactly what happened with Dr. John. Um, not having a spiritual parent, right? The Lord took him up and groomed him into a father, uh, and now he can be a father to others and groom them accordingly. Yeah, and you know, and even in naturally speaking, both my wife and I, you know, we grew up. My wife grew up basically. Her dad, you know, wasn't. Uh, uh, they separated her mom and dad, and so she grew up basically with with the dad not there. And for me, uh, my dad, even though he was, um, he, my mom and dad were together, he, he worked, he was always gone, so I didn't have it in the natural. And so I didn't realize until I got older, like probably not until I was late 20s even, how much that had impacted me. And, and I did not have a spiritual father really to help, um, you know, feel that, get, meet that need, the gap. So, but, but let's just talk about what, what is a spiritual father, John? Like, what, what does a good spiritual father do? How does he help uh, children, spiritual children to grow? Well, affirmation is certainly first and foremost. I need to, I feel like I need to share just a short story about my father. Because I think this will help release some people that have been uh, abused or have uh, unforgiveness or whatever it might be. But yeah. my, my father was uh, very unfaithful to my mother. And uh, I was pastoring while this was going on. And my mother was attending the church. My sister, my baby sister was attending the church. I was pastoring. And, um, and then I would catch my father in some things and my father would lie to me. My father's probably one of the nicest guys you'd ever meet in your life. But he would tell you anything you wanted to hear just to make you feel good, which was not good. He was an absentee father. 
But what happened was through these different things, I developed a hatred for my father. I hated my father. And I'm pastoring a church, and I hated my natural father. And I wouldn't allow him to see my kids. I didn't want him affecting them. I didn't want him in my home or anything. And one day the Lord spoke to me and said this, you need to go to your father and ask him if he would forgive you of your attitude towards him. And I'm like, serious? You know, and so I'm thinking of all of what he'd done, but I knew I heard the Lord. And I will tell you something. I talked talk to my wife about this. We went to him, and my father was, was remarried uh, again at that time. So we went to my dad and his wife, and I asked my dad. I didn't lay all this stuff out or what he did and all that other stuff. But I said, will you forgive me of my attitude towards you? And you're welcome in my home. You're welcome around my kids. And I'm telling you something. That set me free. It set me free. Now, I had this while I was pastoring. And I know a lot of leaders have this. I understand, you know, a lot of leaders have unforgiveness. They have hurt. They they have, a, instead of a broken spirit, they've allowed a broken spirit initially. When a father hurts you, you start out with a broken spirit. But that moves in. If you don't take care of it, it moves into a wounded spirit. And then all this other stuff just comes in on that. And so what happened was, because of that, it restored all the relationships of my siblings it restored my relationship with my father. And when my father died, I did his funeral. I led my dad to the Lord after that. And I prayed with him several times, but it brought incredible restoration, but it freed me up. And I know there's a lot of sons that have issues with their natural biological father, but also there's some spiritual fathers that have really done a lot of damage to the sons and the sons are putting that on the dad and what the sons need to do is get that off of them. So I want to encourage anyone that's listening to to get that off of them. I've been hurt by leaders. I've been hurt. I've been betrayed. I've gone through the betrayal. I've, I've been through all of that. And yeah, at first you do have a broken spirit because these people are close to you. You trusted them. But if you don't if you don't allow that to stay there and get healing, that becomes a wounded spirit and that'll fester up. And then all of a sudden you're destroying a bunch of sons and daughters yourself because you haven't taken care of that. So the big thing to me with the spiritual father is this. I realize this and you know this, Glenn, you've been around me for years. I realize the only authority I have in speaking into any son's life comes through my relationship with them, period. It's not hierarchical at all. I build a relationship with them. I just had a couple uh, on a call with my wife and I from uh, Columbus, Georgia. I've known them for several years, but we've never really had a real close conversation. So we had a, a, a talk and we had a great conversation. And through that, they sent me an email and they said, you know something? Thank you for providing a safe place where we could be transparent and not worry about how that's going to come back on us. And, yeah. you know, you know what you were talking about, Emmanuel, as far as people coming together as sons and fathers, it's organic. And see, this recruiting, this recruiting 
and trying to recruit and and fifty dollar dues or a hundred dollar dues and you start tithing to me you got to promote my network you got to do all of that stuff that's not kingdom that's right and i'm not picking i'm not trying to pick anybody out specific specifically it's not it's right. it's about the relationship and and one of the things and glenn knows this he's been around me for a long time he's been a part of he's a vice president of this network but we are in it to serve others, period. That's what we do. We don't ask to be served. We don't ask people to tithe to us. I, I haven't asked for dues. I do believe in the honor system, and you know, and, and that, that's important. But the big thing is in a father is that a father will listen and give people their time. And, and for me, I know a lot of people would like to have me be doing a lot of other things in this network. But what I value the most, honestly, is either in-person contact with, with folks. Uh, Glenn uh, and Lynn and Nancy and I are going out. We're having lunch after church on Sunday. I love that time together where we're just one-on-one -on -one building that relationship, talking about spiritual things, but also talking about football and, and different things like that, you know, and keeping the atmosphere positive. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Being able to come together in these relationships so a spiritual father affirms, he listens, um, and again, uh, you know, I don't have to go out and provide all of this material and all of these teachings and all these things like a lot of these other guys do because I have someone that's doing that. It's, it's Glenn. You know, Glenn's got, that, that's his art. That's what he does well. Hmm. I could be so busy doing things that I don't have time for the relationships, but I love I love the one-on-one -on -one in person, the Zoom calls, the texting, yeah. the personal relationships with people. And and let me tell you this: there are some major, major leaders in our network that thank Nancy and I for taking the time to just listen to them and be mom and dad. And these are people that you wouldn't think they would need that, but they do. There's a lot of folks, you know, the higher you go in leadership, the lonelier it gets. And when you get somebody that can just listen to them and not try to put your stuff on them, your vision, not, not getting in their business, and, but listening and, and being sensitive and having discernment on trying to understand the season that they're going through, um, the complications are experiencing they're having either you celebrate with them or you help them get you get the right resources the right people whatever you can do that's what i love doing i love being relational and i love listening and yeah i have material and stuff but that's not my my thing is to build relationships especially you know whether they're older people or young people you know, and multicultural. This network is so multicultural, which is awesome. So, so that's what that's what I do as a dad. I just try to be real with people and serve them. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, I'll be surprised. I talk to uh, a, a lot of people in my my age bracket, and I'm surprised how many people have never been to the leader that they're accountable to to their home or to their house, right. or they don't have their personal cell phone number. Uh, and the way that I was raised in the faith, that was just what I thought it was. Um, I have spent time, I've slept over, I've eaten, and speaking about the, that, that relationship, uh, there was never any judgment. Uh, even when I stumbled and, and I made, right. made mistakes, uh, there was correction, 
but there was no judgment. Uh, and I felt safe uh, and I felt embraced uh, and I felt encouraged most of all, because I think in those really vulnerable moments that, that, that makes or breaks people uh, and that kind of lack of empathy oftentimes from leaders is because you don't know your people, right? Uh, you, you, it's hard to be empathetic with someone who you don't really have a relationship with. You don't know the season of the, their life that they're in. Yeah. Um, what you said, John, is, is, is so true. Um, just a little bit more insight about me. Um, my, my dad also worked a lot, like you, Glenn. Um, he worked long hours. He, he commuted. Uh, when I was really young, he was in my life heavily, and there was this big shift. As I got older, I saw him progressively less and less and less. And then uh, I went away to boarding school. Uh, so I was separated a few hours away from my parents, and I started going through puberty and growing up kind of all, on my own, facing life's challenges without my parents being nearby. And that created a type of bitterness in my life that my parents weren't there sometimes when I needed them the most. Um, but when I received the Lord back in my life, uh, I was having a meeting, and it was for my birthday. I remember this so vividly. And I wanted to have a fire tunnel like how they used to do back in the day, and people go through and get their hands laid on them, and everyone's passing out. Uh, and I grabbed the microphone, and I invited my parents. I Actually, for my birthday, I wanted to have a meeting, right? So I was really, really zealous and excited to, to be giving my life back to God. Uh, and I grabbed the microphone and I wanted to say, you know, can everyone line up for a fire tunnel? And the Holy Spirit apprehended my tongue. And what came out of my mouth was, Dad and Mom, I'm sorry. I did not want to say that. That's not what I had planned to say. That's not what I had, you know, told the leaders that I wanted to do. But that's what the Holy Spirit had come out of my heart and out of my mouth. And that was the moment really in, in my walk with the Lord and in ministry that I really started to see a dynamic shift and a true transformation uh, when that healing began to come. Uh, and, and now my father and my natural father and I have a great relationship. Um, but I think what's so powerful about that relationship, John, like you said, is it's organic. You know, yeah. those relationships are man-made. They're bound to fail. Um, but these are God-ordained relationships uh, that are orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and they're eternal, they're everlasting. Um, and, you know, for, for me, um, some of my best and worst moments have come next to my spiritual father, but there's also been transparency there, right? Um, he, see, he, he knows me in and out, but I also know him. Um, and it's not a one-way street. And I think that that's important uh, mm -hmm. as well um, because we really, really know each other. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, I mean, we look at a lot of people today and, and especially the old, you know, the old wine scan of, of uh, and, and even today in denominations and some networks, it's, it, it's like you've got four different types of relationships. You've got the positional relationship where, hey, you know, I'm the bishop, I'm the apostle, I'm whatever, I'm the pastor. Then you got the the other one. It's more like the I'm the expert. You know what I'm saying? Like, and 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 there is a, a sense of a respect for people that that have a great deal of experience and knowledge that we should we should show and we should honor them. Uh, and then ultimately, there's there's spiritual authority. That relationship where you just like, wow, I just really feel the spirit of God you know, connecting me. And then, then there's the relational component. And I think those latter two are really the, what Jesus walked in. He had that spiritual authority. And then he spent time with the disciples, 
You know, he didn't just preach to the multitudes. And and today, I'm afraid. Let me let me just say something. And Emmanuel, I really want you to 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 jump in on this because uh, this is for um, some of the young people. I see young leaders, emerging leaders right now. You know, they're talking about they're being mentored for ministry. And when I look at um, or when I listen to them and they say, this is what I'm doing, it's basically they're learning how to preach. They're learning how to minister. Um, but in terms of the one-on-one -on -one time, you know, that they're spending with with these different people that are mentoring or, or fathering them, um, there's not a lot there. But when you look at Jesus he spent a lot of time with his disciples, not only with the 12, with the three, and then even one-on-one. -on -one. And you said something earlier, your generation wants community. Man, I want community. We're all about that. But you're, you're, you're right. Let's, let's just, just talk about that. Why do we need community? Because you know what I heard? I read a statistic that said during COVID-19, 50% of millennials checked out of uh conventional church 50 percent and and uh so like meaning hey you know what we just kind of stopped going in the conventional way now i don't know exactly why but i'm sure community was a big part of that as well so go ahead and and just speak into that yeah that, that's interesting i actually didn't know that statistic uh, so, so thanks for sharing that. Um, but I think when something is uh, inauthentic, it's easy to tell that, that that's inauthentic uh, a lot of times. Um, and the, the pattern of, you know, we go to church on Sunday, uh, we have a, a meeting during the week. Um, a lot of times that becomes habitual, uh, especially when you don't see how that power that's being preached and talks about resonates and carries into your own life. Um, and Glenn, I'm glad that you mentioned that, you know, people are being mentored to, to, to preach and to pastor, but really don't have that one-on-one that -on -one relationship. And I think Paul in Galatians 4 said something interesting. He said, you know, my little children from a, a fathering position, he said, of whom I travail in birth until Christ be formed in you again. Uh -huh. Until Christ be formed in you. And I think that that's so important because that relational dynamic, that one-on-one -on -one dynamic is for the purpose of Christ being formed in us. And a lot of times that's what we're not getting because that, that relational and spiritual dynamic is not there. Um, and that's what my generation, I believe, subconsciously, we, a lot of times we don't even know, but that's what our hearts are, are really yearning for, mm. right? Uh, and, and this sensation of, of community that is about oneness and, and it's built on the principles of, of love and humility, uh, really the principles of the kingdom, uh, I think, is what my generation is crying out for in the realm of the spirit. Uh, it just hasn't got to our head to really understand what that looks like practically. Um, but I'm glad that we're having a lot of these, this discussion tonight because that's exactly what it looks like, starting with the restoration of the fathers and the children, right? Yeah. And from that relationship comes community, right? Jesus started picking them, you know, he got Peter and Andrew too, but he didn't start with the multitude. He started with individuals and then built the community from the individuals. Yeah. And I think that's where the community comes from is out of the relational dynamics that starts with individuals first. 
And I think we have to get back to that mindset of it's investment in people first, investment in individuals, impartations into individuals, forming Christ in individuals. And out of that place, authentic community is really birthed. It's, it's hard to go the other way around when you have a bunch of people and then you try to get to know each and every one of them once you have hundreds and thousands with you already. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, look, I understand if you if you are really busy or or you have a lot of people that you are uh, ministering to, you know, let's say you pastor a church of several thousand people. It's pretty hard to connect with everybody. And Jesus certainly didn't. Right. But he did have a few people. You know, we jokingly say, who who are those you should invest in and connect with? They need to be fat. You know, they need to be faithful, available and teachable. And uh, the, the truth is, if you have people that are faithful, they are available and they're teachable, you know, it's, it's, it makes such a difference. But I'm finding as I get older um, and just how the Lord has naturally shifted the direction of our ministry more into fathering and mentoring and, and so on. We still preach. We still travel, love to do all that stuff. But ultimately the the holy spirit is connecting us with people and it's totally organic it's totally a spirit thing and a lot of the people that we connect with are in their 30s you know maybe some in the 40s or even in the 20s in their 20s and this is more and more um it's becoming more and more common of course there's people that are older as well too it's not just but but it's just happening so um, John, you know, we're talking about spiritual fathers and their role. What happens uh, in those relationships? You mentioned, you know, you've been through those relationships. So have I, where, you know, you, you've been uh, burnt, backstabbed, whatever. And, and, hey, if there's pastors or leaders um, listening, watching this, please know that we understand um, what you're going through. And, and hey, there's people that are available in John's uh, network. And we have a thing called Kingdom Community as well to, to be there. We, we need one another. So I just want to say that, you know, there's people that you can trust. But, but what happens in those situations, John, and, and how do we deal with those things? Yeah, well, I think that... Um what Emmanuel was talking about also is like, you know, some teaching you how to preach. And those things are very important. But, you know, uh, I've been studying and, and I've been looking, even with the Shulamite maid, when she got running off and trying to find the groom and she's going to all these people that she had been with before, and they couldn't help her anymore. So there's a couple of dynamics that, that happen here. It's number one is that we've got to be very careful of those that are raising us up are not getting us to depend upon their branch. Yeah. Yeah. They're leading us to the vine where we are drawing from the vine ourselves, where we know how to feed ourselves. We know how to nurture ourselves. And so there's a transition there because we do need to be a part of, of, of a branch and growing and nurturing. And then there comes a time when you've grown beyond that. And sometimes when you grow beyond that, that doesn't mean you have to leave that, but it means now it's time for you to invest back into what has built you and how, and how they have helped you. And so that's the things that 
that's important to me is, is that I am trying to help more and more people. And while I'm doing that, it's helping me to get into a greater, more intimate relationship with Christ, getting away from the soulish activity. Because I'm reading in Scripture, I'm reading in Ephesians and in Romans and these places that if you're not doing it in the Spirit, it's of no value. It's of no value. So we have to learn how to operate in the Spirit without being weird and, and flaky, but, but how to listen to the Spirit. And when we're moving and helping people, we, we operate from what we're sensing and what we're discerning, not what we're feeling, because feeling is more soulish. But when we start getting into the senses and operating from our spiritual senses and beginning to see with his eyes and hear with his ears and, 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 and to, be able to, uh, to be able to touch spiritually instead of soulishly, it changes the whole dynamics. And I'll tell you something. When, when there are spiritual fathers that are really operating from their spirit, I see a lot of soulish activity. A lot of soulish activity, but I'm seeing more and more spiritual activity in the dynamics of being sensitive and discerning. And I'm trying to understand what is the season that this person is going through. And, you know, when we are walking in the spirit, one of the greatest signs of walking in the spirit is humility and meekness. And if we're not seeing the humility and meekness in these leaders, there's something wrong. There's something that's that is um, there's something that's off. And so, so what I feel my responsibility is is to operate with integrity, try to operate with humility. But even when I go into their house, uh, you know, I was on the road twelve weeks ministering. Uh, we just came back here about a month or so ago. Out. In, in a different house of worship every week. And I let those pastors know, when I come into your house, whether it's your physical home or whether it's your spiritual house, I'm under your authority. I'm submitting to your authority because I understand if you're not under authority, you have no authority. But also I'm helping to set up protocol. I'm helping those people that are attending that house of worship to understand, look, I'm coming in as a spiritual father, but when I walk in that house, I'm submitting I'm coming to authority. Even when I pastored and, and couples needed marriage counseling, I would never, ever go into a couple's house and counsel them in their home. That's his house. He's the head of that household. I have no right going into his house trying to bring correction. So I would meet him in a neutral place or meet him in the church or somewhere because I respect that. And see, this is, this is what's important as a spiritual father, especially in the apostolic realm, is government. If we and, and apostles operate from that governmental authority. And so, but if we're not aligned with kingdom government and we're trying to push some other governmental thing or other line of authority, it gets messed up really fast. So we have to understand the kingdom of God governmental structure, and then we have to operate within that and respect these people that we're ministering to and working with and trying to honor them and help them. Even in our marriages, Glenn, you know, people are looking at us. I mean, I've, I've been with my wife, it'd be 50 years in December. We've been married over 47 years. We work hard on learning to serve one another and being a model, not just 
as an apostolic leader or a spiritual father, but in our marriage, how we how we treat our kids, our grandkids, our finances, our, our relationship with other ministers. And like you're saying, how many spiritual fathers can you have? Yeah. You can have a lot. You can have a lot, you know. It, it, as long as they're not causing confusion, as, not, as long as they're not trying to pull you off right. in their direction and abuse you or use you and then spit you up because they want you to promote them. So th- there's a lot of dynamics, but I just think we need to get back to the simplicity of things. Yeah. Well, and personally, for me, I am really reticent to use the term spiritual father. Like I see a lot of leaders uh, especially apostolic leaders, use just throwing that around so flippantly, like, oh, that's my son, that's my daughter. And last week there was someone else's son and daughter, and the week before that, you know, there was someone else's. And and I'm very careful to do that because, first of all, people need to know, like, that they feel like, yeah, I'm connected to you. And it's not about, you know, another touting touting who's our son and our daughter or whatever sons and daughters yeah so that's that's it has to come back with humility and what and i just want to share one thing and we get back to emmanuel you know one time i was ministering in africa and i was speaking to a group of pastors there's quite a few and i was talking about paul and timothy and and mentoring um emerging leaders the next generation and i made this statement i said you know that paul was for Timothy, in my opinion, even more than Timothy was for Paul. In other words, it wasn't just, well, Timothy's to carry his Bible and, you know, open the door for him as some uh, cultures really uh, emphasize that kind of thing. And I'm not, again, saying we don't serve. We should serve, right? But ultimately, Elisha served Elijah. We get that. But there's a place where we have to recognize that if you're going to be effective, you're going to be a real spiritual father, you got to be available, and your heart has to be right, and you really have to make sure this is about them and not you. And, uh, of course, there comes a point, too, where you got to be able to say, okay, I'm going to let them cut them loose and let them go as well, too. So go ahead, Emmanuel. Yeah, to, to that point, um, you know, some, something interesting that my, my natural dad said, uh, because him and my, my spiritual father have actually have a relationship, my dad knew him since he, he, he was a younger guy and mm-hmm. he said you know I, I released my son to you and my dad told me that was a hard statement uh but that's that's what what a true father does and, and i think the uh relational dynamic between father and son is intended to be generational uh that's why to your point glenn paul was more for timothy because the kingdom is intended to go on it's it's, it's eternal on and on and there's intended to be legacy right uh, it's, it's, it's intended to continue uh, and to persist. Uh, and the most important thing that my spiritual dad told me, I can actually hear his words ringing in, in my head. Uh, he said, don't, don't chase revelation, don't chase gifts. He said, you know, if, if you master integrity, humility, and honor in your life, he said, that's going to take you way further than any of those things. He said, the revelation will come. And you know, what's so important about having spiritual fathers that's important for my generation to know is that someone who's close to you and you can be accountable to that can keep you in line. It's very easy to be by yourself with your Bible and think you got revelation and be so far off from the truth and get derailed. But a good father helps you to stay on track. In fact, uh, a good father lays out the pattern through their lifestyle, right? Uh, either... 
it, he says, Jesus being our example, let us walk as he walked. Jesus laid down the pattern through his life, not just through his words, right? Not just through his instructions, but they followed the pattern of his lifestyle. And right. that's, and, and fathers allowing sons and daughters into their life opens yeah. up so many doors, right? Yeah. Because now yeah. we can pattern our lifestyle, right? As you have patterned your lifestyle as you follow Christ. Uh, so I think that's something that's so important. And one thing I'd like to be mystified for my generation is spiritual parents does not mean that you're being controlled. Okay. Right. And I think that that's something that, that, that John alluded to. Um, I feel like a lot of young people feel like if I submit to this leader, I'll never step into my gifts. I'll never step into my calling. I'll never get a chance to yeah. preach. And it has nothing to do with control. It's the governmental system of the kingdom that is about authority and submission and love, submitting one to another, like, like, like John had said. And I think that that's something Im important to note because, because of the fact that the father has been removed from the home and the natural, it's very difficult to, for my generation, to grasp this concept of spiritual fathers. Uh, yeah. Oftentimes they reject it because there's still that, that underlying lying bitterness like we talked about earlier. Spiritual parents have nothing to do with control. Uh, and in fact, what, one thing that I would like to say as a piece of advice for young people who may, may be hearing this for the first time or in their heart, they're, they're praying about you know, a spiritual parent, is if the leader that is, you're accountable to has no accountability, that's a red flag. Because that creates situations where uh, it's an individual relationship Right. They can uh, control you. They, they, they can keep you in a box. Um, but it's something there's something to note when a leader is accountable to other leaders. That's very important. Yeah. Um, and it creates this safety net. Um, so you don't get put in a situation where now you feel like you're idolizing this person because of that one on one isolated silo. Right. Um, so yeah, I just want to mention that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, you know, having authority, you have to be under authority yourself, right? So it's right. so important. Yeah. So let me just speak to being available for a minute because um, what I do is is basically I don't know if Emmanuel knows what this thing is. It's called a Rolodex. Yeah. Uh, you have to go back quite a ways to find one of those. But I tell people this. I don't get into a Rolodex and go through and say, okay, I need to call this person today or that person today. What I do is if the Holy Spirit speaks to me right. to contact somebody, I do. But uh, lots of times people are like, when can we do the next Zoom? Can we have Can we have a talk? Can, can I give you a call? So, so we're... You know, I'm always available for texting. Our home is always open. Glenn knows we have a lot of ministers coming through here, not even just people that are attending some of the ministers' churches or part of their ministries. Our our home is like in and out, of course, flying into DFW. People want to spend a day or two and, you know, or go down to Magnolia or silos or wherever, you know. And, and so we're, we do everything we can to, to be with them and to connect with them when they're coming through. But... You know, I tell them, you need me, text me, call me, Zoom me, come to the house, whatever we can do. Then when we're in the regions, we try to do everything we can to connect with them. But we're here to help celebrate them. We have almost 200 ministers in this network. Do I agree with it, what every one of them are doing and how they're doing it? 
Probably not. But it's not my job to correct them because they're not doing it my way or how I would do it. So I'm not into controlling anything. I'm here to celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. I belong to an organization. The best they could do with me was tolerate me. And it was very disappointing when you start having conversations with people and they're saying, what's going on? How's your church doing? You start telling them they're looking at their watch because they don't want you to be successful. They're, they're, they're almost looking at you like, man, if you had some bad stories, some failure stories, your, your church wasn't growing, but, but man, worship's going good, church is growing, all that. And that's not always the case, but these guys, all they want to do is talk about others and other ministries and what they're doing. And, and they were more, the conversation was more about what they were against than what they were for. And to me, I choose to have a positive conversation. I want to be positive. We, we, we minister to marriages. We help people with finances. Glenn, you, you asked me a question. What do you do with a guy that's in trouble in the network? How do you handle that? Well, hopefully, we have established a relationship where they're going to trust us, that we're going to come to them, not to judge them, but to help them and to help resolve and restore whatever we can do to help them with that. And, and instead of thinking, wow, you know, one organization I belong to, man, if a guy failed, he knew that if it became public, he would lose his church. They would take it away from him. They would, you know, so who is he going to go to? Yeah. How is he, you know, the presbytery would come and just say, and then these guys say, well, if that's a good church, I think I'm going to put my name in for that church. So it was all political, a lot of political stuff going on. I hate politics. I hate the corporate religious system. That stuff, I hate that stuff. To me, I love the organic relationships. I love sensing folks with a spirit like you have, Emmanuel. I mean, you're a young guy, but, you know, Glenn told me you were 27 years old. I will tell you something. No, I, I, I said I think he's I think he's in probably late 20s, I'm guessing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 29, but close enough. Same 29, way. but... Yeah. Man, you're, how you handle yourself, how you're engaging, how you're, I can see you're listening, you're picking up stuff, you, you know, you have this level of maturity, and uh -huh. you're not, you don't think you're all that in a bag of chips, you know what I'm saying, you know, you're just, we're all here, I mean, I'm 67, yeah. almost 68 years old, I'm still learning, I want to learn, I want to learn from yeah. young people, I want to learn from old people like Glenn also, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but it, it, you know, and it's all relational. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Um, I, first of all, I appreciate that. And thank you um, for, for, for saying that, but the, this relationship that we're talking about is all encompassing, right? Like my relationship with my spiritual dad is, is not just him cracking open the word and, and going through the scripture. What happened? I, 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 I'm one of the few people who he will say, hey, if it's my birthday, call him because he knows everything I like. And that, that's something really special. And, and, and it goes way deeper um, than just the context of the four walls of the building that we call church, right? Um, it's on, on Sunday afternoons, right? I'm going over to his house during the weekday. Uh, he knows where I live. He, he, he's been here. We spent time together. Uh, and 
same thing with the Father and the Lord. It, it's in that spending time and that intimacy that, that all things grow. Um, and that is really what's the most important thing about, I think, what we're talking about tonight is developing that, that relational intimacy, that transparency where I can understand your heart and you can understand my heart. And, and ultimately, you know, you're pushing me towards something that you probably couldn't achieve in your lifetime. That's something my spiritual dad told me. He said, you know what? When it's all said and done, I want you to go way further than I've ever gone. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the same thing because I see how the Lord is um, growing me as a faithful son to a point where one day I'll be a suitable father to others, that that's the same heart that I want to have. Because when someone tells you that, right, and you know it's no longer just about you, you know, uh, serving them in their ministry and in their church, mm-hmm. and it's about the progression and the advancement of the kingdom of God. And that's the spirit that we carry. And that's the spirit that we pass down gener- generationally. That's what God is looking for out of this whole dynamic, right? At this whole relationship. It's the advancement and the progression of the kingdom with the heart of love. Um, and that's something that I want to pass down to uh, my spiritual children, my natural children one day, is I want you guys to go further than me. I really think that that's the Father's heart, right? They always pointed to one another. Jesus pointed to the Father. The Father always pointed to the Son. Um, and I think that's what it's all about. When you spend time with the, 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 the thing that I think you're seeing, Emmanuel, is this. When you spend a, an incredible amount of time with your spiritual fathers, you get to see how they interact with others. You get to see how they treat the waiter if their food doesn't come out the way that they think they should. It should. You get to see how they treat their wife. You know, and whether they respect them or speak down to them or whatever, or or their husband, what you know, whatever the dynamic is, you get to see how they handle their children. You get to see how they handle adversity. When you're around people, I've been around Glenn and Lynn a long time, and and uh, you know, I've seen them go through a lot of different scenarios, and so I watch them and how they handle things and. How, you know, it's not what we go through. It's how we respond to those yeah. things. Yeah. And so we have to realize that, yeah, I can get out there and, and I can, in my guarded moments, I can teach and I can stay on, on task and I can be very focused and look super spiritual. But how am I, you know, when, you know, the Dallas Cowboys are beating the New England Patriots? Probably never happened, but it did happen, didn't it? but Brady wasn't playing but anyway so but you know but how do people interact watching people how they interact in the sports especially when somebody rubs up against somebody the wrong way and that's your spiritual dad and you're really looking are you really applying those things you've been talking to me about all these years and we want to see that it's not a matter about it's not just a matter of what you say with your mouth. Are you really living that with your life financially, integrity, how you treat others, you know, your, 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 how, how you talk about other ministers and and things like that. You know, even in my 25 years of pastoring, I never get behind the pulpit to tear down anybody's ministry. Never, never. I used to hate to hear people get up there and just rip people apart. Even if they were failing and stuff, we just, that, that's not what that's for. And so getting in homes and getting in these relationships, getting around these people. I mean, Glenn and I, we've been around each other enough. We know uh, 
we know the um, the weaknesses each of us have, yeah. and we still like each other. Yeah. So that's what's that's what's you know. But but we're always wanting to better ourselves spiritually and and doing these things and and stuff. So but it gets all it what it gets back to is this: is getting the sons and the daughters into that intimacy with the Holy Spirit, yes. to where we hear the heart of the Father. We're operating. We're in the relationship with the commander in chief, with Jesus himself. We understand the king's desires, his ways, and we do everything we can to walk in humility and meekness in serving the Lord. When we do that, we're going to know how to serve the sons and daughters. Uh Yeah. And, you know, I just want to just say conversely, when we are dealing with a situation as a son where we see our spiritual father dishonored, or even if we see a spiritual father maybe struggling with something. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, how we respond to that as a son is so important. Kind of reminds you, you know, about Noah's sons when, when he was uncovered and how they dealt with that. Mm-hmm. It's so important. Then the other thing I just want to mention is when you get to the place where, you know, I think it was Mark Twain, he put it this way many years ago. He said, you know, when I was... <clears throat> um, he said, when I was 17, you know, he said, I thought my father was the world's biggest ignoramus. He said, but when I was like 23, he said, I couldn't believe how much my father had grown and learned by the time I was 23, you know. Right. And, and that's that's the reality of where we are at in many ways when it comes to spiritual fathers. We get to a point where we feel, well, I know more than they do. and And sometimes a person can actually... Uh, grow to a place of greater influence, maybe even have more revelation. But Emmanuel, closing thought, how do we deal with that? How do we keep that, that, that uh, you know, honor in place and so on? Yeah, I think, uh, I think first if you, well, I'll say is this. How you directly deal with people is a direct reflection of how you deal with the Father. Um, and if there's a lack of honor in your relationship with the Lord, it's very easy to have a lack of honor in your relationship with, with, with people. Um, and to, to your point, Glenn, uh, I actually went through something like that um, where a lot of people left and dishonored um, my spiritual dad, and I came to a crossroad. Um, and I could have did the same thing, and I could have you know, been self-justified and had my reasons, and and I said, you know, it's better that I honor. Um, and that did a lot in my walk. Um, and, and the Lord did a lot in my, my personal life um, through that. Um, but I really believe that honoring the Lord, um, as, as Dr. John was saying, and that relationship with the Holy Spirit will easily emanate through your life, right? As you become more submitted to the Lord, as you begin to lay your life down and die to yourself more into the Lord, right? And you begin to discern and you begin to recognize the leadership that he's placed in your life first, right? There's a reason why the first commandment that comes with a blessing is honor your father and mother. That's a direct relationship. Come on now. And how that framework is set up is going to be a reflection of your relationship with the Lord. And for young people, if we cannot begin to, uh, uh, practice those things in our life, 
where we're totally submiss- uh, submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be submitted to the leadership of another person. No matter how much you're following them, no matter how much you're carrying their Bible, no matter how much you're talking to them, if you're not fully submitted to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, you'll never be a son. Because those who are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. So that's the first key to honoring someone else is being submitted to the leadership of the Lord. And everything else flows from that. It becomes easy, easier to do that. Yeah, that's good. That's really good. And and just, you know, from my perspective, um, I'm spotlight still on you here, uh, Emmanuel. When you come to a place where, and, and I believe it happens, and, you know, where you just feel like, okay, I've been connected with this pastor, this leader. Um, and, you know, um, but the Lord opens a different door and he maybe you go to a different place and there's new connections and new relationships. You know, recently I've had that happen where someone came to me and said, you know, I was part of this ministry submitted to this leader. But this, this, this happened. And, you know, it was it was a tough situation. They felt like they were dishonored by the leader and disrespected. And so, you know, I, I shared what I felt was the way they should navigate it. But what do you, what do you do in that context? You know, uh, again, you are moving on. The Lord is leading you to connect with someone different. But um, let, let's talk about how we navigate that. Is for a moment. I want to hear from both of you guys. Let's start with Emmanuel first. We'll go with the old guy first and the young guy, John Burpee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think a, a good principle to live by is uh, leave the same way that you came, right? So if you came enthusiastically and ready to embrace and, you know, with open arms, don't go throwing salt and kicking dirt on the person uh, when you're leaving. Um, and if the Lord is truly leading you, and I think, you know, going back to, to Dr. John's point, being, being led of the Spirit is so important, uh, not making rash decisions based off of your feelings. Really wait. Um, and if you're not sure what to do, wait on the Lord uh, to get direction. But if you feel like the Lord is leading you to leave, do it honorably. Um, you know, um, go to your leader um, in private, don't try to make a show openly and publicly and drag other people into it and make a scene in the church and make a big announcement that you're, you're leaving. Don't do all of that. Go privately. Um, speak your peace and humility and love and, and in the same way that you left uh, or the same way that you came is the same way that you leave. Yeah. yeah, good. Okay, Dr. John. Yeah, I think that it goes back to... Um, if this leader has done something, and I spoke to this a little bit earlier, and it's caused uh, something to break in you, you have a broken spirit, or you're wounded, or you've been hurt, or been offended, it's good to try to, the best you can, to get that corrected on your way out also, to get the healing, whatever is needed. Sometimes that's not possible, but the, the key is, is once you leave, don't continue rehearsing that and sharing your issues with others. And don't try to take the authority of trying to correct that guy when you're not in a position of authority. You know, I see ministers 
even on Facebook, trying to correct other ministers. And I'm thinking, why are you doing that? You have no authority to speak in that person's life. And you're bad-mouthing them, and you're, you're telling them what to do, and it's yeah. making you look bad. Yeah. So I know this. Absolutely. I, have I have an incredible amount of authority in those people I'm in relationship with. But those prophets out there and a lot of stuff that happened through the election and all that stuff, I had no authority in speaking into those guys' lives because I had no relationship with them. Yeah. And so I've learned to only work within my realm of relationship. So when you do have to walk away from something, yeah. you know, then do it in a healthy way like what you were saying. Sometimes, sometimes God is moving you yeah. to another place and there's not even an issue. That's right. With you, but it's causing an issue with the Father because he is taking it personally or he may be insecure. And you've got to be able to handle that also because he might be bad mouthing you once you leave. Yeah. So how are you going to handle that? Uh, yeah. You know that happens. That stuff happens. You know. Oh, so, yeah. But we we're have keeping to keep it real it. tonight, man. I mean, come What's on. That? Oh, it's true. It's true. So we're keeping it real tonight. Yeah. This is right. a, this is like an honest talk here, and a lot of people are commenting, like you know, this is good stuff. We're talking about stuff that we need to get this out and talk about yeah. it in a good way. You know, Glenn, it's what what I want to do this next year. What I've been asking the Lord, what is what is the best thing I can do to help the ministers in our network? And I felt like the Holy Spirit is saying, find out what they're going through, what they're experiencing, what they're not experiencing. Some of them want to get to another level. They don't know how to get to it. You know, it's not like some magical thing. Go, oh, we're going to lay hands on you or or whatever. You know, we understand the importance of laying on of hands. But also, we need to help folks understand the process. A lot of people want to avoid the process and just get it now and not go through the process. And what happens is you get some young people or even people that are older, all of a sudden they get a platform, but they've not gone through the process to, to, to earn their right to be on that platform. Yeah. And and the, when I say earn their right, I'm talking about earning their way from the Lord, not from me or my permission or Glenn's, but, but the Lord promoted them or allowed them to step there. And sometimes they've come into it too early because they've not been submitted to the process. So I want to help the ministers. Our relationship, Glenn knows this, we have an incredible relationship with these ministers. We've had ministers that have failed in some areas, they call me. They're weeping. They're crying. We have new ministers coming on, and they're saying, these are ministers that have pretty high-end ministries saying, look, we want you. If you need to correct us, we're going to submit. Now, that, that doesn't come because of I recruited them. It, becomes, it comes because of word of mouth. It yeah. becomes of what they've been observing with me, my wife, with Glenn, with Lynn. You know, so they want to submit to that because they're safe. It's safe. Yeah. People want a place that's safe where they can be transparent and not have it become the morning news the next day. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's it's terrible. Safe. Terrible. It's safe. Yeah. 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 Manual. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that, that, that's so true. And, and to one of the points that, that you made, I think, um, a, a good father also knows when to launch you or push you at, at the appointed time. 
Right. Right. Um, Jesus did everything in the, in the timing of the Father. Not that he, he he couldn't have done things at different times, but but he waited. Um, and it, I think in, in amongst my generation, it's very easy with social media and all these different platforms to become a sensation overnight, for lack of better words. Um, and, and a good father can be that voice to help you and to teach you to go through that process that you were talking about, because a lot of people, both young and old, don't go through the process. And that's so important, uh, especially in my generation. I, I, I don't believe the way that I've been taught that, you know, and it can happen. I, I, the Lord has done a quick work in, in, in my life. So I, so I understand. Um, but you don't go from, from being saved to being a YouTube preacher in a week. Right. Uh, and, when I see things like that, I know that there's not a sound voice of a father in that person's life, right? That's automatic. I, when, when I see certain things, I know, okay, that may be an issue of not having a sound voice and a sound father in their life. Um, because a lot of things happen way before the time, even if that's what you were called to. But, but kind of quickly going back to the point that we, we were making earlier about, you know, what happens if there's a, a riffraff and a disagreement. One, one thing I will say from the perspective of, of a spiritual son and, and, and from a spiritual child is that it's important to have mercy so that you can ob- obtain mercy. Because it's very easy when you're going through something to go to your spiritual parent looking for safety and expect them to be gracious and kind to you. But if they mess up, Right. And looking at their track record, right, they've been uh, awesome man or woman of God and maybe they slip or they stumble. And all of a sudden you want to turn your nose up at them and act like, oh, well, mm-hmm. now I got to leave because the man or woman of God messed up. That's not how, how, how it works. Right? Right. Uh, and I believe that from the perspective of a spiritual child, also offering the grace that you're expecting to receive is so important. Right. That, that safety should go, especially as you're growing in the Lord, it, it, it should go both ways. The relationship should be covered by safety. It shouldn't be one sided. Yeah. Nowhere in this relationship is it a one sided relationship. It's, it's both dynamics working in unity and unison together. Um, so, so that was just a point I wanted to bring up as well, because we, you know, we often talk about, you know, if a spiritual leader wrongs you and kind of how you should leave. But uh, I think it's important to understand that. Giving grace is more important than even receiving sometimes. You know, when a son, here's one thing that's that I try to be very careful with because we understand that the more of an overcomer we are, the greater capacity and sensitivity within us to be more on the throne right. with Christ because that's where overcomers are able to be seated. And so when you see a son in a battle and he's, he's learning to overcome, we have to be careful how we engage as a father that we're not fighting their battle and not helping them to sharpen their skills, to become the warrior that God wants them to be. So we, we have this overprotection because we don't want to see them struggle. We don't want because we know what the consequences are going to be. That's why we have to have this sensitivity and discernment when we see somebody going through something, yeah. how we engage them. Are we going to come in and rescue them and take them out? Or are we going to let them learn how to become an overcomer and how to become, how to become battle tested? That's right. 
you know, so that they can grow more and more because, you know, I spent nine years in the military. And I'll tell you what, with every battle you go through, there's upgrade and there's promotion. And so, but if you don't get a chance to go through the battles, you're not going to grow. And with your battles, every battle you go through, it begin it tends to reveal your identity more also. And so we have to be careful as a spiritual father. Well, I know how to navigate that. I can, I can, you know, we got to stay out of the way sometimes and let these guys and gals go through that process. And part of that process is the Lord's kind of bringing some chastisement. And we want to relieve them, and we've got to be careful to not do that. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's so true. I mean, you know, it's you you want to jump in sometimes and save them, but you can't uh, always do that. So great. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, guys. I really appreciate both uh, both of you being with us being with me and everyone who's been um, watching and appreciate you guys watching. And you know what? Next week, same time, same bat time, same bat channel. We're coming back 8 p.m. Central. No, 8.30 p.m. Central time. We're going to continue the conversation. We're bringing on some more millennials. And um, we're going to really talk about this more candidly, more openly, even in the sense of, some of the things we didn't necessarily go deep into, but we appreciate you guys being part of the discussion and go ahead, share, please leave your comments. And um, if we love to hear your comments below as well. And thank you so much for being part of this. Um, I just want to say, I'm, I'm gonna, before we leave, I just going to say to um, everyone who's watching you know, if you want to know more about the kingdom community, we are not a network or a denomination or anything. We're just like a spiritual family where you can connect with a lot of different men and women of God, seasoned leaders, um, others who, who can help you grow. Just head over to our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Click on connect. You can watch the short little video. And then uh, also, as mentioned, Destiny Churches Ministries International with Dr. John Burpee leads, and I'm, I serve as the vice president. And um, we love for, to connect with you guys. That's not the purpose for this time tonight. I mean, if you've got a, a good family, if you're part of a great connect, you know, network or whatever, um, your spiritual father, mother, stay connected, guys. That's not what we're here for. But we just want to mention that we're here to to even broaden your horizon in a sense that you can be part of and have those relationships and even benefit from being part of the spiritual family. We offer free training once a month, the third Wednesday of each month. We have free training and equipping with an incredible team of servant leaders from around the world. Uh, just go to Kingdom Community and dot global and click on the events link and you can see about how to sign up for a monthly mentoring. We've got online training. Uh, I mean, online courses, so much different stuff going on, but thank you guys for tuning in. Bless you. Shaniqua. Wow. Good to see you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and thank you guys, everyone, our friends in Florida, lots of people in Florida, Australia, other parts of the world as well. Bless you guys. And we look forward to seeing you next Thursday night at 8.30 p.m. as we continue this discussion on spiritual fathers. 
hey, if you want to watch our online gathering, Kingdom Community Online Worship Gathering, it's on the weekend, Saturday night, 8 p.m. Central Time, Sunday morning, 8 a.m. Central Time. We've got different leaders sharing the Word of God, and uh, it's just a great time to connect. Bless you guys. Have a great time, a great night, great day, wherever you are in the world. We appreciate you. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Glenn Blakeney here, Awake Nations Ministries and also Kingdom Community. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying this show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast.